Yo, what's up everyone? This is V, aka Vernon English, and this is a double feature today. As I sip my tea and light up my swift, I say good day to you guys. Well, whatever, and um, if you're sitting down, chilling, get, get comfortable. This is the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. It's the most obscure podcast ever. It has weird voices. And uh, well, me, basically, um, from my character depictions and things like this. But don't worry. I, I'm just, it was really some really good weed. But <laughs> you can hear other things clanging in the background. But um, yeah, it, it's really good to record these and actually verse them out. Because now I'm remembering things that I didn't previously know. And now I'm falling in love with this third book all over again. And, yo, when I say I wrote this back in, like, 2018, 2019, this was a long time ago. Only, what, two years ago? Two, three years? Yeah, long, long, long time ago. But, basically, I went and visited uh, some family members, and then I came back to Venice. And I know for a fact, like, how my mindset was in doing this. And it's really, really interesting in the backstory because I love uh, strong female characters. And I don't even remember, like, including this and saying that I wanted to include this. But I know that my second book had, and the first book, had the Band of the Crow. Now... This is fun facts before we get into the book, but I created these characters to depict things that I saw in women, and, and I wanted to embody this into, or pay homage in a character that I felt uh, would uh, suffice and this continuity of the story that I had. And it's not video game character base or anything like that, but something that I felt that a character I would be proud of and in looking into again and I just basically named her Crow or C-R-O and obviously her black hair and obviously of her color but uh, she was definitely a, a battle armament or a piece or a general in her own sense it was called the Band of the Crow and her basically she's like Xeno Warrior Princess slash Anything you could think of, Lucy Lawless <laughs> times 50. Shouts out to Lucy Lawless, though. Like, <laughs> if you ever seen her in Spartacus, you appreciate being a grown up fan. And no, this is not the Howard Stern hour. This is just basically V voicing his fandom for uh, a character that based and influenced one of my characters. So, <laughs> basically, um, so, back to the story, the Band of the Crow has this character, right? And she is in the world of forgotten memories. And so she wakes up, and she's got a sword, she's got a horse, and she's basically asking anybody to look at her sideways because that would be the last mistake that they make. And it's a free-for-all, basically where she's at, because there's nothing but bandits there. And it's like a mass confusion, and I don't even write this in the story and how she awakens. I just 
in the first part of the book uh, already have her already like armed up already with her men to the hundred thousands almost probably like 50,000 men and uh, already established as a, an integral part of uh, Celestial almost to the point where you would think that she hadn't forgotten her memories but basically her origins derive from just that sense of confusion and waking up and then towering and defeating all these giant men who are look like gladiators and people who are eight feet to nine feet tall but they're too slow or they are too this or too that uh, to battle her and she basically makes quick work of them and basically starts telling other bandits and they become uh, her men uh, how to you know move throughout the land how to basically use and strategize um, her opponents and utilize their confusion to their advantage and it's basically one of the things that I always wanted to create as a character would be a strong female character and it's not ghost in a shell complex it's not something that you know has just a woman as a flagship and making her seem like she's larger than life but I actually wanted it to make it very humanistic and uh, very humble in the way that she came off but very very practical and very matter-of-fact like she would slap anybody in the teeth uh, who would ever even slap their lips or smack their lips to her and her her way of thinking her her sense of judgment or her sense of just leader uh, coming off as her her commandingness uh, is something to be revered just in part of any leader for that matter but exceptionally for a woman um, and the energy that surrounds women in general when it comes to being a beautiful woman or just being a woman it versus telling men what to do and I thought it was an interesting notion of having the men uh, not question her as much and, and when they did it would just be a sense of almost a dream or a sense of if someone was sitting down with their men or they were just chilling and having a conversation versus someone actually defending themselves or debating their case and I, I thought that was a cool thing too because I I, I don't know I'm a guy so <laughs> I, I shut up on many different subjects that I don't know about or things that I don't know about in life and being a woman or dealing with the mental stresses that come along with it I do not know but as a black man I can identify with and I can make that analogy or that connection and say certain things and being dismissed or knowing certain things just in part of being who they are is the beginning or the basis from where a lot of my conversations and scenarios begin say that five times fast <laughs> it's also an interesting notion to have these characters and have the band of the crow have a rival and that was the big thing that i wanted to depict of her uh, being uh, who she is and crow and her name and understandably so crows are black but then I mentioned in the podcast before this one 
where it was the goddess uh, stag. And so this was a woman that was in all white, uh, blonde hair on this giant stag, just going around wielding this giant sword and asking anybody who had anything to say sideways to her would meet the end of said sword. And so that was an interesting notion to have both of these characters in the same setting. And that's basically what I did. And I wanted to create a scenario of what would happen, said thing, if Crow met her rival or she met someone who was on her level just in part of uh, battle prowess and was a woman. Blow for blow, pound for pound, what would happen? And there's... I, I talked to my friend the other day and he's a, a great creator and he was talking about these interesting tropes that happen in every television series and I, I often think about that and scoff at it because it's always cool to have you know a TV series 70 episodes or something like that and think of these many scenarios of what may happen but I never want to get into that mode as a writer or as a book or content creator because shows end and this story doesn't end. And so if I'm setting the stage for something, then I want this stage to be uh, immaculately like woven into something that I can come back into and then place another piece into or place something else into. Now, you can come back to this particular, you know, recording and then I will tell you, like, oh, yo, yo, you know I said this back in, like, 2022 in January or February, February? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it all will make sense. But I'll begin reading it for you, and it'll give you a better depiction of what it is that I'm saying. And so the one that I'm, I'm talking about is the goddess stag moon, or the golden goddess stag moon dance. And so she appeared, right? And so the next installment is called The Table of Plenty. And it says, uh, The band of the crow fought long. Their sunlight brought blood to the sword, more vigor than the hummingbird jackal's song. Crow, you see, she found delight, nothing wrong, easily tearing limbs from battle axe-wielding fiends. In this, she chuckled mid-swing to the notion that this thought, thing, may be odd. What joy was this? The guilt of armament, chassis juxtaposed next to her endorphins? good yet to what end to what end was this dance an eternal song asking the wind accompanied by gristled sweat slicing opposing faces none with whom she knew knowing in absence flight or flight awarded their duodenum hung crow crow a member of her of, her, of the guards spoke over claims someone speaks the same language of you of death as you the same tongue Nonsense, as it took point three seconds to register her guard, he's serious, her obliviousness led to new regard. Where can I find them, Crow replied, hinting mid-battle that she knew this new opponent piqued her plentiful charm. Mid-left flank, berserking our men in arms, have her surrounded. Her? Crow snorted, unable to hide the excitement beyond inhibition. Her? Her guard answered after pause. Crow smiled. Well, we will raise the alarm. So, basically from this, 
and once again this is called the table of plenty and this is right after the goddess or the golden goddess stag moon dance and this like i said sets the stage for the next part of the series the next pieces that i was placing together of introducing these new characters without any exhibition without explaining any storyline any continuity any basis anything involving what their inherent story had to do with anything and i wanted it to be that way i wanted the crow to have something to be excited about because previously all the characters and all the men that she had basically fought in any way shape or form fell to the wayside like they were none could compare bar none and this is her speed her class even being on a, a horse she could easily fell them just because they were larger than her and she was smaller and could maneuver faster and with more force and the new character that i introduced was the golden uh, goddess and i do not allude to her lineage or where she hails from. I just talk about her being a part of the council that the Green King was a part of. And the Green King, you could think of it as like Lord of the Rings or something like that. But it was really important that I put that in that series and that other characters were involved in that part of the second book and the first book just because I like showing people how it's interwoven together. With it being interwoven, it comes with uh, looking into something more than once. And I love that aspect. I always talk about this, and I always want to include this into the complexities of a writer. And how it's not just poetry and what I'm weaving. This is not spoken word poetry. Spoken word poetry is quite different. Um, it has a cadence. It has rules. And then two, it has the rule of a person's style. And so a person will have a continuity or a series, or they even have a book like uh, Saul Williams, but his is, is a different uh, uh, expression. It's, it's different being spoken. Uh, this is a story, so the story continues and it will continue as such. And as the language changes, so will said story change as well. But that, that, that's another story and another explanation. I, I get off into tangents, but I just wanted to comment on this and tell um, people about the third book because it's, I'm falling in love with it again, like I'm saying. And it took some time because I wanted it to get out of the mode of what the second book was. I didn't want to break a, th a thesaurus in half <laughs> and like sound like it's just super influxed with words that I knew not the origins of and I don't even know how I could have even pieced those words together but I wanted it to be something powerful enough that I could in layman's terms make sense to my brain that I wasn't overthinking what it was that I wanted to say and what I want to say, and, and now that I'm looking back and reading this, is that uh, women were strong. Like, there was really some actual 
characters that I could actually be proud of as a male and to talk about another character even in a different sex to to be like yo well, that is pretty awesome like the band of the crow fought long their sunlight brought blood to the sword more vigor than the hummingbird jackal's song crow you see she found delight nothing wrong easily tearing limbs from battle axe wielding fiends and this she chuckled mid swing to the notion that this thought thing may be odd like that was not even in this mode and I was writing it but I hadn't even like placed it on anything else I was basically thinking of it not to be a nursery rhyme not to be Dr. Seuss or anything like this I essentially wanted it to have and as I read it there is no no continuity there is no two line thing or uh, a stanza or anything like this as I look and read it and so you can read it online and it'll just look like a regular page from someone's uh, reddit page or something like this on a <laughs> or on a message board and just the messages that come down and and how they're all pieced together but makes sense it's the best way that I can describe and how I write and I don't know I, I really enjoy this I enjoy you listeners I appreciate you guys and the feedback. Uh, if there's anything else uh, that you would love for me to include in my stories, just let me know. I will be enjoying um, this week, this month, this year. Uh, I, I can't even go into the details, but just be looking forward for the next book. And I will let you know when the book will be done. And then I'll be plastering it and shamelessly plugging it and talking about it for the rest of the year and into the next year and how I'll be writing the fifth book and all that stuff like this so be looking for that guys I appreciate you so much and uh, this one is uh, the table of plenty and uh, peace peace